Hi, this is Lexi Alexander and you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl experiences rebirth into DC Comics. And we discuss truth, justice, and the American way. This, this is Supergirl, Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson. And in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled Truth, Justice, and the American Way. But before we get into our discussion, we have... The News. There's no news from CBS this week, but we do have some Supergirl news uh, items to cover. The first one, according to Newsarama, the DC superhero girls will be debuting on two fronts in March, on the toy aisle and on television. Warner Brothers Consumer Products and DC Entertainment have announced that an all-new animated special and the first Mattel-produced merchandise will be debuted with Boomerang and Target, respectively. Target will debut a a variety of DC Superhero Girls merchandise, including toys, apparel, dress-up, accessories, and books beginning in March. Um, And if you've seen anything having to do with DC Superhero Girls, you know how adorable they are (laughs) and what the potential is for, you know, just endless possibilities of of cute, amazing, super female superhero stuff. So I'm very excited about this. Yeah, DC is going to take all of my money in March because <laughs> Batman v Superman stuff is out now and there's probably going to be more of it. And now DC Superhero Girls is going to be out. I'm going to want to get some of that. So yes, I am going to go broke in March, but it's going to be okay. I'll recover. Um, oh, and I, and I saw that picture of you with uh, the Wonder Woman poster that you got. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to a convention last weekend and it was so funny. I freaked out when it, there's this huge wall in this vendor area of all these posters and I, it was like in the middle at the top or whatever and I was like oh, Wonder Woman like I couldn't form sentences um, <laughs> it was kind of ridiculous but I was really glad to see like character posters because they look really good but that's a whole Batman v Superman thing um, but it's it's good to know that this uh, DC Superhero Girls merch will be available and we can all go check it out and make sure to check out the special. And if you have some merch that you want to pick up, uh, go out and get them. And speaking of books, Supergirl was included in the Rebirth announcement from DC Comics. Uh, Supergirl Rebirth number one is scheduled for a fall debut. We don't have an exact month, but it just says fall. And if you are wondering what this whole DC Rebirth thing is all about, according to DC Comics, beginning in June, all DC Universe monthly and twice monthly titles will ship at a new lower price of $2.99, which is very exciting. Anything lower price. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anything lower price is good with me. 
And this new lineup includes a combination of DC favorites and new titles. Titles will begin their runs under the, quote, Rebirth banner and follow with another number one issue beginning the series proper. And according to DC Comics, in addition, DC's two flagship legacy titles will resume their original issue numbering, also shipping twice monthly. Detective Comics will pick up with issue number 934, while Action Comics will continue with issue number 957, which I saw a lot of my comic book friends were really excited about that. (laughs) That's not a big deal to me, but I know a lot of hardcore comic book people were excited about the uh, the numbering part of that. Um, And also, according to DC Comics, a special event revealing all the talent and creative teams associated with Rebirth is scheduled to take place at WonderCon in Los Angeles, California on Saturday, March 26th. So um, if you are going to WonderCon and you want to see what this is all about, go ahead and check that out. Um, The press conference will be live streamed if you can't make it to WonderCon, um, and that'll be done on the DC Entertainment's YouTube channel. So everyone can experience firsthand all of the exciting new details surrounding Rebirth and everything that's happening uh, with some new Supergirl comics. Definitely. I'm, I'm very excited that Supergirl was included in all of that. Um, and I figured she would be. Like, she has to be at this point. Um, but, yeah, the numbering stuff always gets me so confused. <laughs> like, can we just stick to one numbering system and just keep going and just let it be? Yeah. Now that we've gotten the news taken care of, we can get right into our discussion of season one's uh, Supergirl episode titled Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Um, Here's the official description from CBS. Quote, Supergirl does battle with the deadly Master Jailer, played by Jeff Branson, who is hunting and executing escaped Fort Ross prisoners. Also, Kat hires a second assistant, Siobhan Smythe, played by Italia Ricci, who immediately tries to one-up Kara. And Kara and James disagree over the DEO's methods. Um, Yeah, this episode was pretty much jam-packed full of all sorts of stuff. So (laughs) it's a very meaty episode, um, directed, of course, by the fabulous Lexi Alexander, whom we interviewed here on the podcast last episode. Um, well, let's get right into it with uh, the episode's kind of big bad, I guess, uh, Master Jailer. What did you think about uh, that character and how they introduced him? I actually didn't know much about Master Jailer from the comics, so this was a great introduction to him for me. Uh, I loved his look. I thought he had a great costume design. I liked that he could kind of go in and out of the costume. I thought he had some cool gadgets. Um, the chains were kind of a nice touch since he was a jailer. Um, I also really like Jeff Branson. I've loved him since his young The Restless Days. So Mm. I was was glad to see him in this role. And I thought he played a really fantastic villain. Um, His voice was awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, So because, I mean, in parts of the scenes, you couldn't see his face because it was covered up by that mask. So a lot of what you had to go on was his voice. And I thought it was a nice little touch that he sort of had this secret identity as the National City Police Detective Warren. I thought that was a nice touch. I don't know if that's something that Master Jailer normally has, um, but I, I thought that was kind of fun for me personally, because I know, I know of Jeff Branson, I know what he looked like, so it wasn't as big of a twist for me at the end when he's revealed to be Master Jailer. I was like, I saw him earlier <laughs> in the episode. I knew that was yeah. him. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was fun. But um, 
in addition to like learning a, a lot of things about him, like his real name is Carl Draper. He's from the planet Trombus, which I have no idea where that is, but um, that's new information. Um, I, I liked seeing what he could do and what his uh, goals were that, you know, he could fly and all this kind of stuff and use the gui- guillotine to execute criminals. Yeah. That, that was pretty... <laughs> I love the laser guillotine. Like that, that was pretty rad. Yeah. Just that, in design. Yeah. It was really cool in a weirdly morbid way. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought all of that was really cool, but I thought there was a, a lot of layered complexity with Master Taylor. And I was really surprised to see that. But um, I, I liked that in an episode called Truth, Justice, and the American Way, all parts of that episode title were represented within a character in the story. And for the justice part of this episode, that was Master Jailer. He says, he, he talked about justice a lot. He, yeah. he, at one he point, loves him some justice, He boy. could join the Justice League for as much as he talks about justice. <laughs> he said once that disguising yourself in human skin will not keep you from facing justice. And then he also says at one point that uh, justice must be absolute. So he had... Um, a different way of going about getting justice. He captured and executed these Fort Ross inmates and that was his way of doing it. Now he, I thought it was a nice touch also that he looked up to Alora and kind of admired her for the way she executed justice, but it was a different way than, than what he was used to. And I think having worked with Alora, he kind of had to abide by her rules a little bit but then when all the Fort Ross inmates were out in the open and running around Earth, I think he took it upon himself to have his own kind of justice and execute his own kind of justice. So I liked that he represented the justice part of this episode. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm in your boat in that I didn't have any uh, prior experience with this character. But one of the things that I love in a villain is uh, – and it's one of the things I liked about Astra too um, – is the fact that the villainy or the the thing that makes them a good antagonist is that they have really strong held beliefs. Um, it's not that they're like evil, but that they they take their love of a certain ideal to an extreme, and then they it kind of gets twisted along the way. And I, I thought that that's what makes Master Jailer fascinating is that he kind of takes Alora's already kind of. Um, and we see that Allura's idea about justice, um, you know, giving somebody 18 years for their first offense selling drugs. Um, well, especially maybe, in, in, maybe maybe on Krypton that was the norm. Well, I'm you know, but even so, like I mean, <laughs> and and you know, Krypton, like I don't know how old. Yeah, you know, who, who knows what their lifespan is. Yeah, exactly. 18 years might be a blip if they live to be thousands of years old. I'm right. not sure about that. But um, still, it seems very excessive in and of itself. But she didn't sentence him to death over it. So right. it's like he he kind of took her already kind of extreme stance uh, for a first offense and just kind of doubled down on it. And it's like, well, now you're going to die because there is no Fort Raz. So I have to kill you because I can't just put you in jail the way Allura did. So it's like whoa, guy, like you're, you're really, you're loving that justice to the extreme. And it's like, you know, and, and, and Kara seeing that it's like, she kind of took a hard line on Maxwell Lord in this episode. Right. Um, saying, you know, we have, we have to keep him prisoner. But then when, when she she's, comes face to face with Master Jailer, it's almost giving her an image of herself that she doesn't like. Yeah. Um, and that kind of is, is responsible for, for changing her minds a little bit along with James. But yeah, he was fascinating. And uh, I agree that uh, 
Jeff Branson, who I don't know from the soaps, um, <laughs> but uh, I he was great in the part too. And um, even from from the first moment we see him in the episode uh, as the detective, you saw something else was there. Like even if uh, you didn't know that that actor was going to end up being this person, there was something up. He was playing all of that really well, so it was cool. And you mentioned Kara in Master Jailer and kind of how she was seeing herself through his actions. And what I thought was really interesting about their interaction is that he at one point says, you know, you and I could be colleagues. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we have this same thing about, you know, putting away these people who have sinned. And I think Kara or Supergirl didn't really think about it in that way. But that's, I mean, I don't think she was doing it the exact same way he was, but she is capturing aliens who are doing bad things and putting yeah. them in prison. So it's mm-hmm. it, on on a small level they are kind of doing the same thing. She's not killing them or executing them with a with a fancy uh lit up guillotine, but she is kind of enacting her own brand of justice. So Definitely. I I liked I liked that parallel there and that he he wanted to bring her over to the dark side as it were. Yes. No, and and it's so interesting. I mean, this whole episode, that's one of the major themes was like, what are your actual values? Like, when is justice, you know, being taken too far? And um, it was interesting that that there was this parallel between Kara and Master Jailer. um, And I just love that they were able to explore that. And um, we've had confirmation, you know, and we knew he was going to be a recurring character anyway, but... uh, uh, Lexi Alexander confirmed on her Twitter that he's still alive. She just crushed his gauntlets, and but he's still alive. So I was I he, was wondering about that because she she looked like she was sort of choking him a little bit, and then all of a sudden, yeah. he just kind of goes limp, and she throws him down on the ground. I was like, what just happened here? Yeah, no, but I think that must have been like the Kryptonian. Uh, version of like a sleeper hold, you oh, know, like yeah, yeah, okay. like she ch- she choked him just enough to make him pass out, and then it's like okay, done. Um, <laughs> that's how I took it because I figure he can't be dead because he's supposed to be coming back. So that unless they get get in, unless they get into cloning or something, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> now let's because uh, you know obviously Master Jailer was not the only character that was introduced in this episode. We also have the arrival of the very catty. Uh, no very difficult to deal with. Exactly. Uh, Siobhan Smythe, um, who, yeah, she's a pip, isn't she? Um, <laughs> what did you think about Siobhan? Uh, immediately, I loved that Cat Grant comes in knowing how to pronounce her name because mm-hmm. Siobhan is not a very common name in my neck of the woods. And it's, it's certainly not hard. It, it's certainly not as hard, like, not as easy as Kara. Yeah. And it's not, <laughs> and it's not spelled the way you think it should be, and mm-hmm. so I think it it's very telling to me that Cat knows how to pronounce Siobhan's name, and and it's sort of I've had this kind of theory in the back of my mind that Cat knows that Kara's name is Kara. Oh just, yeah, just yeah. for some reason she, I don't know if it's a power play or she's just trying to, I don't know what. But I think Kat knows how to say Kara's name and that she knows it's Kara. But for some reason, she doesn't do it correctly on purpose. So I thought it was very telling that she knew Siobhan's name right off the bat. And that Kara noticed that I thought was really funny. Mm -hmm. And um, as a fan of the Devil Wears Prada, I didn't mind the Devil Wears Prada comparisons that I saw in the episode. I know a lot of people complained about that with like the pilot and all of that kind of stuff. But... 
I eat that stuff up. Like <laughs> the whole um, the whole bit about how Siobhan is now assistant number one and Kara is assistant number two. That's sort of mm-hmm. how it is in Devil Wears Prada. Um, I even noticed I, I went back and rewatched a little bit of it before we uh, recorded this episode because I kind of wanted to see if they had borrowed anything because I uh, sort of suspected something. But there's a there's a thing where Anne Hathaway's character, like her first big assignment for Meryl Streep is to bring her her morning coffee order to the office. And that's like one of the first things that you see Siobhan do and and Cara. They both bring her coffee, but Siobhan does it a little uh, in a in a little fancier way with the hand press the hand pressed coffee that she did herself. And- <laughs> I pressed it myself. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, shut up!" Yeah, and oh. you know, Cara's been bringing her this coffee from Noonan's probably forever, but uh, but Cat preferred the hand pressed one from Siobhan. So I thought that was very interesting, and um, the fact that Anne Hathaway's character in, in in the in the movie Devil Wears Prada, uh, Emily Blunt when she's kind of assigning their responsibilities between the two of them. Emily Blunt's like, you know, I'm going to be in charge of her schedule and her appointments and her expenses, and Anne Hathaway's just going to be in charge of coffee and errands. And I kind of felt like that was sort of what happened in the episode. Like, Siobhan makes this big deal about how she's supposed to handle all matters with department heads, including anything that James needs, of course. So I thought that, <laughs> was, I thought that was really funny that, like, they have these clear responsibilities between the two of them. And Kat is sort of preferring Siobhan. And I don't know if Kara's right. I don't know if she's doing it because Kat's mad at her and wants her, uh, wants her to learn a lesson. I don't know. But I, I think that's, it's funny because I think Siobhan does a good job. Like she is bringing her the coffee. She is finding yeah. her glasses when Kat loses them. And mm-hmm. she she is doing everything that she needs to do. Whereas Kara, like we talked about before on the podcast, like sometimes she's <laughs> she's not the best assistant because she's not there yeah. sometimes. So I I think they've played it in a really interesting way that Siobhan is really good at her job and that she has ambitions and Cat Grant thinks that she's maybe doing a better job than Kara. So I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how more of this dynamic plays out. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a lot of fun to watch this happen. And um, I wasn't like it, it definitely had like a Devil Wears Prada. I said Devil Wears Prada meets Mean Girls vibe. Like it felt a little bit sometimes overdone in how just unabashedly mean she was to her for no reason, <laughs> having just met her. But... That being said, it was a lot of fun to watch her play it. And I did think it was interesting, you know, talking about the Devil Wears Prada comparison, that it's the new arrival who's better at the job than the person who's been there for years. You know, because if we're like really doing straight up Devil Wears Prada, you know, you have the assistant who's there who's trying to protect her territory and you have the newbie who doesn't know what she's doing. But in this situation, it's reversed and you have Siobhan showing up and instantly knowing all the right things to do, which is really, really threatening. But it's funny because... Kara, you know, I mean, obviously she wants to keep this job. This is her her happy place. This is her her normal life that she wants to protect. But yeah, she has kind of let the Supergirl DEO side of her life, you know, take over a little bit. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. But at a certain point, I feel like you're going to have to choose because you are crappy at your job because of <laughs> this. You know, like it, it's like you're and, – and she's only getting worse because as the – the threats get bigger and as she becomes more 
involved in the DEO, it's like, yeah, you're not going to be able to go to all the meetings. You're not going to be able to do your job. But I do love that Siobhan is basically a mini cat. Like I think, yeah. and, uh, you know, I do think that that cat is very clearly letting Kara have it. Like she's definitely, because she seems <laughs> to take pleasure in, like every time she prefers Siobhan, she looks at, at Kara like, huh, and then walks away. Like she, she definitely knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, but she hasn't fired Kara, which mm-hmm. on some level means that she wants Kara around. She just yeah. wants to remind her what she expects. And I think that's that's not wrong of her because Kara has been letting some stuff slip. And if you want to have your cake and eat it too, you're going to have to, you know, get with the program. Well, um, and there's, there's a logistical side of it too where Kat legitimately needs things done. You know, yeah, like yeah. she can't just like let Kara be there at work and not get her responsibilities taken care of. Yeah, like, when when she, you show up when you feel like it, it's fine. I'll pay you anyway. Like who do, who would do that? Nobody. Yeah, I mean she's Kat's a busy woman. She's running this big, huge media company. She needs to have things taken care of. And I thought right. it, I thought it was funny that Siobhan's like, "Hey, I'm just doing your job because one of us has to." You know, like this, things have to be taken care of. So it actually really makes a lot of sense that if Kat feels like Kara's not cutting it, that she would hire somebody else. Yeah. And it's interesting that she would hire somebody that's the complete personality opposite of Kara. Yeah. Um, Because I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that she might see with Kara and her personality is because she's so nice and because she's so, you know, she's a good friend, she's, she's a good sister, all of that. But that tends to pull her away from work because she cares about other things. Whereas she wants, you know, Kat wants somebody who's there because they love the job. And so Siobhan is all about the job. Siobhan (laughs) wants to be Kat Grant one day. And so she is all over it. And like that, that is her number one love of her life. Um, What I don't quite see yet is how they're going to. Because uh, she's very, she's also a big snoop, Siobhan. Like, she's <laughs> always lurking in the corner, kind of <laughs> eavesdropping on conversations. And I was like, listen, why don't you focus on Cat Grant and whatever? But she's also, you know, using that to her advantage. And she's hoping to, you know, like she did in this episode, hoping to find some information that will ingratiate her to Cat even more. Um, that's good if she uses it that way. But I also feel like Cat would be smart enough to see hmm, do I want an assistant who's this treacherous who might one day turn this on me? Yeah. And like, because like your assistant has all your info, like all of your, and do you want somebody that you can't trust, you know, sitting right outside your door? Um, So I'm wondering if Kat is registering that at all and like how she's going to deal with that in future episodes. That's actually something they address in The Devil Wears Prada because there's a whole thing about how Runway, the magazine that they all work for, they put together the book. And the, mm-hmm. book, the book has to go home with Meryl Streep for her to make notes and approve. And the only person who can go in her home to get the book to bring back is the assistant that she trusts. So mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting point. And you mentioned Mean Girls. We were talking about Devil Wears Prada. I would also add in the movie Single White Female. <laughs> to, the, to the mix <laughs> because wow. I, I kind of felt like that Siobhan was single white femaling not only Kara but Kat. <laughs> it's true. I, it's kind of creepy and true. It is very creepy because like Siobhan is taking over Kara's job. She's sort of hitting on James who is the guy that Kara possibly likes 
And um, the thing about Kat is that she's, like you mentioned, like she's not, <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to be the next Cat <laughs> Grant. And so if she wants to be the next Cat Grant, what happens to Cat Grant? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned about Kat because I don't, I, I think you're right. I don't know that she is accounting for the fact that if Siobhan is this driven and this dedicated to what she's doing, this might bring some competition for her. Um, and I think that's, that is the difference with Kara. Kara doesn't want to be Kat. She just wants to work at Catco. So I think there is something to maybe watch out for Siobhan. Like she seems like she's good at her job. She seems like she might be kind of a nice person, even though she's really snoopy and, um, kind of butts into people's business but there's there's something underneath her that I don't think we know yet I don't know why Mm -hmm. she is there if she has other motives but yeah she's definitely trying to take over this stuff at CatCo yeah well I mean and there's something you know because she's she lays out her plan pretty much she's like okay a couple of years here and then I'll move up to this and then I'll move up to that like she it's it's kind of frustrating to me just because like like obviously it's great to have ambition like you should want to move up in the world but to 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 be like you know i'm only i'm only in this job as like a stepping stone like to out and out say that it's like okay so you're not actually happy doing this job so why should i hire you like that's kind of yeah like if you're not here to do this job and you're not like you know it's it's i just wanted to slap her anyway What did what did, we'll, what did you think about her? Uh, <coughs> I I am chatting with Kara. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> now it's clear that she is just looking to rankle your chains. Like if she's you know, I aming this stuff to you, giving you those looks across her desk. I was just so frustrated with Kara that Kara insisted on talking out loud to her. <laughs> like <laughs> Me too. like. You know, it's it's and I know that that Kara is is nice and she might be a little bit naive, but she can't be that naive. Like Siobhan was blatantly trying to mess with her and she gets her own self in trouble. I was like, Kara, that's on you. I mean, I know that Siobhan was being an instigator, but like that was totally your fault because there was no reason for you to be talking to her out loud and letting yourself scream like that. So, yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was a, a little silly. I was like, Kara, you know how I am works. We've seen you chat with Clark. You she know chats how, with Clark all day. You know day. how this works. Why are you talking <laughs> back to her? So, but I, I thought that was uh, fun because Lexi talked about in our interview with her that she's not normally a comedy director, um, mm-hmm. but I thought that comedy bit with the IM stuff was was played out very well, um, yeah. and I had a good time watching it. So, and and it sort of I think plays into maybe you know if Siobhan becomes let's say a character named Silver Banshee in the future, and she and mm-hmm. Supergirl don't get along, this may may be the start of that. So it was kind yeah. of it was kind of nice to see the the seed planted a little bit. And I have to say that I do love um, one of the things I love about Siobhan's presence here is that it kind of forces Kara to to be more honest um like it because I love how at the end of the episode where she's like you know what I just don't like you (laughs) and you know it's like it's like thank you I was so grateful that she did that because it's like yeah you know sometimes we don't have to love everybody I mean we don't have to like everybody you know like you treat each other with respect you can be civil but you know even Cara Zor-El who's like you know the Pollyanna of Krypton (laughs) will have people that she just does not like and that's okay and you could be honest about that and still not be a raving psycho at work 
Um, One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was, you don't have to be friends, but you can be friendly. Yes. And I think that's good advice for for Kara and for all of us. Yeah, I wish Siobhan would learn that lesson. Like, (laughs) maybe, maybe, you know, you don't have to be, you have to like her, but, you know, simmer down. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, so that was some great comedy, definitely. But there's also some serious stuff, obviously, going on in this episode, too. Um, One of them was Kara and Hank's interaction throughout the episode um, over Astra and what happened to her. I mean, there was so much of that, so many different examples of that going on. What did you think about how they handled uh, Kara's grief? Well, I thought this kind of played this, and I think the scene between James and Kat, uh, where they were talking about Kat's backstory, I think mm-hmm. these these sections of the episode were the truth part of of the title, mm. where, where Alex and Jean, um, I thought it was really uh, interesting that, Alex was really struggling with wanting to tell Kara the truth. She knew what this this kind of impact was going to have on their relationship. And I think she thinks, if I just tell her and we get the truth out, maybe it'll be okay. And and Jean is like, no, you you can't do this. I'm okay with her being mad at me. It's, it's fine. But Alex says, you know, she deserves to know the truth. And it's not fair yeah. to you to take the brunt of her anger. And I... I thought it was really interesting because we're seeing, I think, how maybe Kara would react to Alex mm-hmm. through the way she's reacting to Jean. Although I think it would be an even more intimate anger because of the whole sister killing yeah. the aunt thing. <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's a it, would li- be, it would be different. Yeah, it would be a little bit different, but I think we're seeing that Kara would take anger out on somebody. Mm-hmm. And so I... I, I was really proud of Alex because for her to to want to tell the truth to Kara, I thought was very admirable. And mm-hmm. I was glad for the Alex character that she just wasn't going to, even though at the end of the episode, she kind of does sweep it under the rug because they kind of decide to keep the, the lie going. I was glad that it, at some point she wanted to tell her the truth. I said this in my Mary Sue review uh, as well. Um, I thought this was one of the strongest parts of the episode was the way Kara dealt with Astra, especially because when uh, Astra is first killed, she at first seems to be okay. She at first seems to get it. Like, you know, things happen when you're in the middle of a fight. Like she under she it's, it seemed at the time that uh, Kara understood that Hank did some did what he had to do in that moment. But now that we've had like an episode in between to breathe, um, it seems very true to life to me that Kara is now letting all this out, letting her her anger over it and her sadness out and taking it out on him in this way. Um, And I mentioned, you know, and I know we both dealt with losses in our lives of parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that when I lost my mom, it was interesting, like... I was surprised by how my grief manifested itself because at first I didn't really cry all that much. Like it was difficult for me to cry. I was mostly numb. And then for the next several years, I found my grief kind of popping up unexpectedly, like in random moments that had nothing to do with my mom, but I just needed to take it out on somebody. And so like the one thing that always springs to mind is, is this time that I was at a Dunkin' Donuts and I like tore into the poor cashier. So wherever you are, cashier, I'm sorry. This is not about you um, for not giving me a receipt. Like I just right. yelled at her like, do your job. And, I was, and she was like, whoa. And it was only because like 
and I recognize this after the fact that I was I was thinking about my mom and I was dealing yeah. with that and she just got me upset. So to have Kara going through this and and all of a sudden after seeming to be okay a couple episodes ago to really be letting Hank have it seemed very honest to me and very um, real. And that they didn't get sugarcoated either and that she doesn't know how she's going to be able to work with him in the future. Like she, she's like, I'm, I'm, you know, when she says she needs space, like at the end of the episode, she says, I need my space. And he's like, sure, you can take some time off. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I don't know if I can ever work with you. Like, I don't know if I could ever work side by side with you again. Like, it's not just about like, take a couple of days. It's like, I can't look at you yeah. ever. <laughs> so I, I thought it was very realistic to leave it in that kind of uncertainty for her. Um, and I agree with you to have Alex be willing to tell her the truth in the face of that um, is is huge. And I think is very commendable on Alex's part. But also I think it would be handled differently because Hank is very kind of easier to be angry with because yes, she lo- you know cares about him a great deal. She, you know, respects him, all of that, especially find- after finding out about him being John Jones. But He's not related to her. He's right. he's he's kind of removed from her. So he's he's somebody that she can safely be mad at and put away. Whereas if she finds out the truth about Alex, that's harder because she's family. She can't just push her away quite as easily. She can't just like shut her out of her life entirely because they'll always have a connection. So it's it's it, it, I'd be curious to find out. And I feel like the truth is going to come out eventually. Yeah. Because um, that's how things work on television. Yes. But uh you know, um, when it does come out, I'd be curious to see how they have Kara handle it because I don't think it's going to be the same. And yeah, it'll just be cool to see. Yeah, I hope it's not going to be even worse. But I, I do agree that it's it's going to be a different scenario. And I would agree with you that sometimes grief does kind of impact you at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I remember being in, in shock when my dad died. Uh, for a little while, and it wasn't until his funeral that I really cried for the first, well, I I probably cried a little bit at the house, and then at the funeral, it was just, it was awful, and then every now and then, you know, even, you know, random times in the last few years, I I will think think of my dad, and it will be emotional, like it just, you know, it will hit you at certain points, and sometimes it will get better, but you'll you'll still always be affected by that. And what I thought was really interesting about Kara's grief is that I think she w- felt just as guilty as Alex did, I think, because Kara's whole thing was, I could have brought her home. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe she was, she was thinking, maybe I could have brought her over to the side of good. Maybe I yeah. could have redeemed her. And the fact that she sort of failed at doing that, really, it, that's what she that might be what she's really mad at yeah. is that she she's beating herself up about not being able to save her aunt. And so I think she's like, you took that anger out on the, the Dunkin Donuts uh, cashier. Like she's taking her anger out on Hank because yeah. she can't, she, she has nowhere to, to put that anger. I think that's really, that's a great observation. Um, and you know, either she's beating herself up or, she, you know, because there's the anger part of it where she might feel cheated. Mm-hmm. You know, she she feels robbed of the opportunity to bring Astra back because um, she had no control over that and she had no say. And so a part of it I could very easily see being, you know, you took that opportunity away from me. Yeah. Because I was on the right track. Like we we were starting to get closer. We, we, we had already kind of, I, I had already kind of, started chipping away at, at Astra and now I can't anymore and it's your fault. 
so yeah, there's, I'm sure there's self-blame. I'm sure there's blaming everyone. Yeah. Um, it's all a part of it. And uh, yeah, grief is weird. Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts on the Kryptonian funeral? Because that was the, the first time I've ever seen something like, like in, in 10 seasons of Smallville, I don't think they ever did anything like that. So uh, I was curious as to what you thought about how Kara or Supergirl goes up and, and kind of says goodbye to Aunt Astra. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was interesting that, uh, first of all, that it's the the female that, that leads that right. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and also that Nan, despite being her, like, arch nemesis, um, respected his wife enough to have Kara there, to be that voice for, for, you know, sending her off on her journey into the next life. Yeah, so I, I, was, I was happily surprised that... You know, even though Nan is like, I'm taking the mourning period and then I'm going to kill you. Um, but I thought that it was interesting that he was, you know, he, he he took that ceasefire and was willing to let her be a part of that. Um, and I love the visual of it. I mean, just having everybody kind of uh, hanging in the air like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and and sending uh, Astra off in such a beautiful way. It's, it's funny because Astra is, you know, has to do with the stars. Uh, mm, and so to, yeah. to send her out into into space wherever that <laughs> coffin is going to end up. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a beautiful scene. And uh, I love that we're kind of getting more uh, insight into Kryptonian culture on this show, um, that they're adding kind of new uh, new things to uh, to Kryptonian culture that – are, are more every day, you know, like, like, what are the, what are the prayers like? What are the different clothes for different events? Like what are, you know, all those little things that in a movie you might not get to address is being able to, you know, we're able to explore that on the show. And I think that's cool. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I like seeing the, the Kryptonian customs and uh, I, <laughs> I did enjoy that it was kind of in midair and they kind of had their Kryptonian th- funeral where Kryptonians could be a part of it. You know, it's it's one thing to have it on the ground where any anybody could show up, but not everybody can go to a Kryptonian funeral in the sky. So right. I thought I thought that was a really uh an interesting, you know, and nice touch. And I did like that they 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 sort of had these customs that I can kind of identify with, like having mm-hmm. a prayer um, they talk about, you know, Rao's will be done, and Rao, of mm-hmm. course, is the sun god for the Kryptonians. And so I, as soon as, you know, Astra was in the coffin and all that kind of stuff, I, I kept thinking, well, you know, what, what what's going to happen to Astra? You know, like, what's what's the next step in, in Kryptonian ideals? And so it seemed like, in, in my perspective, like, it seemed like the Kryptonian idea of heaven was, like, journeying home to Rao. Um, yeah. So I thought that was really fascinating. And the fact that like the, the prayer for the dead that Kara prays is all about the sun and, and the dawn and, and joining joining you in the sky. And um, so all of those words are often, you know, associated with the Kryptonians and Superman and Supergirl where they're, you know, absorbing the sun and um, 
you know, being in the sky. So I thought that was actually really, really neat. And I was sort of laughing about uh, Nan and his period of mourning being two weeks. And I was like, well, does that mean we're going to see him again in episode 16? <laughs> um, so I know, um, is that foreshadowing to exactly when he's going to be on again? Is he going to try to kill her again in episode 16? So um, I, I, but I, I thought it was a beautiful scene. I thought Melissa Benoist did a very nice job with the, the prayer for the dead and, and her, emotions that she brought to that and uh so I, I was nice to see that even though Astra for the most part of the season was kind of a big bad she I think in some ways did get redeemed and it was nice to see her have a, a, a good send-off well uh to go to another cheery topic uh <laughs> so we're moving from death <laughs> to torture and unlawful imprisonment um so we've got uh Kara and James kind of going head to head about their differing opinions on what justice means. Um, and much like the master jailer, Kara has a certain idea of what justice means in her head, whereas James disagrees. Um, what did you think about that discussion and that conflict uh, as it was presented in the episode? <laughs> well, I hate to admit this, but this was probably the American way part of the episode title. Yeah. That, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff, you know, he, James mentions Guantanamo and, and things of, mm -hmm. of that nature. And so I I thought it was good for him to bring up because he, he made all sorts of good points. You know, he said, uh, you know, when you have more power than any human army on earth, you have to be better than this. And there, there are things yes. that he, he mentions about ac accountability and how, yeah, it's one thing if you have aliens in prison in the DEO and, you know, maybe earth is not ready for to, you know, to know the information about those aliens, but you're now holding humans in, in the form of Maxwell Lord in here. And you're basically imprisoning him for, for stuff that like, maybe he doesn't need to be in prison for. So it's, um, it's interesting that he made it about you're holding humans here and that's, you're, 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 you're unaccountable for that. And that needs to be addressed. And I, I did like, the the scene I know Lexi when she was speaking with us she she talked about watch out for thing things like negative space and and the way she uh, used the camera and that mm -hmm. that scene was really effective I thought when James and Supergirl are at the DO talking about these really heavy ideas and what it means about you know uh, violence and about uh, imprisonment and and James is kind of standing there with a bunch of you know. A, guns in the armory behind him and I thought that was a nice visual visual because it was basically representing everything that he was talking about so I, I really liked that scene and I thought so much of James in this episode because he was willing to address this with her and I think it was nice to see him kind of come to his own morals about this because of the conversation I think he has with Kat and the story that she tells about her daily planet history with mm -hmm. not telling the truth about uh, the actor who abused his wife and then later, you know, three months later, shot her in the head. And, and she wonders if she could have done something to prevent that just by telling the truth. And I think that affected James in a way that pushed him to want to bring this up with Supergirl so that she would think about it. So I, I liked that we got to see more of James and how he was... Um, a good friend to Kara because he wasn't afraid to address these really heavy things with her. No, totally. I, I agree a hundred percent. And I love, love, love that we finally, like I, I've been complaining about this for a while that like 
James Olsen has not been given his due as a character, I feel like. And, like, mm-hmm. it's always kind of, you know, everybody else has gotten their story. Everybody else has kind of gotten the spotlight on them a little bit. And I feel like we've been waiting for that for James. And I feel like here, for the first time, they gave him something <clears throat> where he's his own person. Yeah. Um, where he, as a character, is coming to certain conclusions that have nothing to do with Supergirl and where he can... You know, this is the first real difference between them, like where he he and Kara see things very, very differently and he's not afraid to say so. I agree with you there that like, you know, I was glad that he could be a real friend and be honest about when he disagrees with her um, because that's part of it, too. And that's also part of the truth side of things, too, is oh, like yeah. I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you how I really feel about this. And I know it's going to make you mad and I don't care because this is right. Like, right, right. So I loved that. And I do love that Kat was the person who kind of mentored him a little bit in that moment as a journalist and as a person. Um, And I loved that because we always talk about Kat being Kara's mentor. But I love that in this instance, you know, here's this already accomplished Pulitzer Prize winning man still needing to be mentored and being mentored by somebody like Kat Grant. Um, I thought that was really cool to see that he was still – willing and able to take her experiences and apply them to himself and be taught in that way. In terms of Kat mentoring James, I liked that her focus was about the truth. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, there, there's been some, you know, internet controversy on the way Kat addresses the Lois Lane in this, in this universe that, you know, Lois is off screen and Kat kind of takes some, 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 she she burns Lois a little bit. Yeah, you know, she takes pot shots. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think this, and I, I've kind of maintained that Kat might say those things, but I think deep down she really respects Lois Lane, and maybe mm-hmm. that's because I want that to be the case. But I, also, <laughs> but I also think that you get, in some ways, I see Lois Lane in Kat Grant. The way she talks about the truth and how that leads her to not only be a good journalist, but a good person. That's very much Lois Lane. So I think that some of, I think maybe Kat might have gotten a little mentoring from a Miss Lois Lane um, or a a Mrs. Clark Kent. I don't know what the the universe uh, has set up with their relationship, but I I liked that the truth kind of came from Kat and that Kat, even though she was a gossip columnist, she put the emphasis on truth, whereas, you know, gossip columnists might deal with rumors a lot or insinuations or hearsay or whatever. But Kat learned from that incident that truth was a a big deal and was something that was important for them. So, yeah, I I liked that she mentored (coughs) James and it was a scene that we hadn't really seen between the two of them before. Yeah. No, and and she said that, like, because she didn't want to be a gossip columnist. They just kind of gave her that to, like, you know, that was where she started. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was, like, her first story. If I remember correctly, she says that her first actual story that wasn't a gossip column was doing an interview with this actor. Right. Um, So she was trying to treat it like news. And in the end, she ends up writing a fluff piece because she got pressure from their PR people. But she was approaching it like a journalist because that's what she – that's the kind of person she really wanted to be. And she was finally given the opportunity to be that journalist. And then it, you know, it got taken from her. Uh, You know, she was intimidated. It was her first story. She didn't – you know, she caved, as she says, at the time. Um, And it's something that she regrets probably because she wanted to assert that 
journalistic side of herself and couldn't because of their PR machine, which, you know, is certainly relevant today because there are plenty of stars, I'm sure, who have that kind of protection. Well, and the other part of this whole storyline that uh, I was started touching on before but now want to uh, really discuss is – because I mentioned the 18-year prison sentence for Prisoner 2445 (laughs) um, and – you know, how that seems a bit excessive for a first offense and that's a drug offense and not a violent crime. Um, you know, and it, and it seems like Kara learned something from him while he was telling his story. Um, what did you think about their interaction and her ultimate decision with regard to, to that professor? I really liked him a lot. And I, I don't know, did the last name, because uh, I looked up the character's name and his name is Professor Luzano. Does that sound Oh, familiar? Luzano. Yes, yes. They yeah, did yeah. mention that like once in the episode. Yeah. So um, I, I was like, that sounds really familiar to me. So uh, it turns out I did remember something um, from the, yeah, you remember the uh, Supergirl trade paperback that we read called Way of the World? Mm-hmm. There is a dot. There's a character, Doctor mm. Luzano, in that. Yes, who's, who's sort of. Oh a my villain. god! So I wondered if that was sort of a reference, or I don't, an homage of some kind to that character. I don't know if that's who that's supposed to be, but uh, I thought that was an interesting use of his last name there. Yeah, no, that was I didn't catch that at all, and that's amazing. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that so that was cool. But as far as a character, I really liked him a lot because I thought he had learned a lot of humility. Like he realized that he had done a bad thing. He did it for, I don't want to say justifiable reasons, but understandable Understandable. reasons. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, his, you know, his wife needed the healing stuff and he didn't have money to pay for it. And so he goes into the drug game. And so, and then he gets caught and he goes to prison for it. And he does do his time and, I loved the idea that Allura was the one who put him in prison and Kara was the one who said, you know what, you can you can be free from this. And yeah. you have uh, a job to do where you're doing good things now and you have students to teach. And I, I liked that she was sort of the one who released him back into the world. I thought that was very fitting. Nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Like, you know, she was able to... Um to show him some mercy and to, to uh, recognize that he, he'd learned in that time. Um, and the fact that he did say, you know, he saw his life on earth as a second chance and that he realized, I don't want to screw this up. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to, to contribute. I'm going to do all this stuff, which is, you know, ideally the goal of any kind of justice punishment. System. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's, it's to, to hopefully not to keep people in, in, in cages forever, like that's not like fun, but to like to keep the world safe and to to hopefully um, make it so that these people can can leave again and be able to to contribute to society. I, I liked him as a character as well. And I love that that he was there to kind of teach Kara some balance um, that just because you can lock somebody up doesn't mean you should. It doesn't mean that, like, just because you have the power to do something doesn't mean you should always use it. Um, like, you have to be very wise and very, um, you have to look at the whole picture before you decide what somebody's fate should be. And I think that her conversation with James, coupled with this uh, professor, really taught her that lesson about, you know, it, and I hate to talk about power and great responsibility, but it is. <laughs> um, wrong, wrong character. I know, exactly. Totally different person. But um, but the, the lesson remains that, like, you know, if you, you can, if you have more power than an army, 
you have to know how to use it and you yeah. can't just be willy nilly about it. Um, the one thing that irks me, this is my one nerd quibble, is that why is he the only Kryptonian that we've seen so far that can't fly? Mm-hmm. Like he says, I was I was so grateful not to have been not to have gotten the power of flight, and I'm like, well, why not? Like, <laughs> like every other Kryptonian on the show has been able to fly. So what happened? Like, he, does he? I joked on the Mary Sue that like, did he? Was his skin covered in SPF 50 this whole time? Like, <laughs> why is he not absorbing sunlight in the same way as everyone that, else? That would make sense. I don't. I don't know that we know for sure he's Kryptonian. Do we? He says he's born on Starhaven. Do we know that that's a Kryptonian location? I, I don't know. I mean, she, uh, Kara's been there. I assumed it was on Krypton. You're right. Maybe it's not. Um, maybe it's a, a neighboring planet or star that they went on vacation. I don't know. But it seemed like some place, it's some place that smells like cinnamon. I know that. Um, but yeah, I, I assumed okay. it was on Krypton. I just looked it up. It's uh, according to Wikipedia for anyone looking for my sources. <laughs> source, source of all um, knowledge. <laughs> Starhaven is a fictional planet. Um, that's depicted in the Legion of Superheroes stories Ah. set in the 30th and 31st centuries. Um, It's located near the core of the Milky Way galaxy. So I don't think that's near Krypton. So it's not Krypton, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he's not Kryptonian. But he seemed to think that he would, well, maybe, I don't know if they have similar physiologies or what, but he, because he seemed surprised that he couldn't fly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so... I guess that's why. I guess Starhaven folks didn't luck out the way that Kryptonians did. But that's an interesting question. If Kara wore a lot of SPF, like if she wore SPF 100, what would happen? (laughs) That's I've never thought of that. What's what SPF does does a Kryptonian have to wear to not? How powerful would it need to be? Because we talk about kryptonite as a weapon against, you know, Kryptonians, but like, what about just dousing them with sunscreen? Like, (laughs) would that? help at all um that's lex luther has you know just bought a bunch of stock in in <laughs> lots of copper tone yes. um but uh, anyway uh but yeah i did love that character and uh i thought it was cool um all right so overall thoughts about the episode um we've talked about a lot of stuff but but what was your your take on the episode as a whole I just really liked that the themes of the episode were found in the episode title and that you could you could find the truth, the justice in the American way in all of the storylines. And I thought that was tied together very well. I thought the villain was good. I thought the introduction of Siobhan was very good. I liked that there uh, a lot of people said uh, they made the connection of a Lobo reference, talking about the interstellar bounty hunter. So now I'm curious, will a Lobo ever show up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the little things that were in there um, to kind of, you know, pique our interest in that regard. Um, I, I do think it's a little silly, though. My, my one little nerdy p- nitpick in this episode would be like, why do the DEA, DEO agents still just shoot bullets at these yeah. aliens? Um, I, kind <laughs> of, I kind of feel like I know that Alex and Carter are sisters and they're really close and it would probably be dangerous if she did this. But shouldn't Alex be packing like kryptonite bullets in those guns? Like if she knows that Nan Something, is out yeah. there... You know, because she she pulled it. Now I I do like this about Alex that she in the in the scene where Nan kind of shows up in Kara's apartment because she just leaves windows open. I guess. A window open. Uh, <laughs> learn from the Darling family. Close the windows. Um, but he comes in and Alex pulls out her gun and she stands in front of Kara, which I really appreciated that 
Kara let her big sister protect her in some ways. Um, because Kara should have been maybe theoretically been the one standing in front of Alex because she's the invulnerable one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, Alex, your bullets aren't going to, don't you know by now that your bullets aren't going to do anything to him? Yeah, she keeps taking out her gun and it's like, are you, do you, are you not paying attention every other time you do this? Yeah, so that would be my one nitpick. I know uh, there were also some things about the fighting that as much as I liked the big fight sequence with Supergirl and the Master Jailer and his chains and everything, I was still like, I don't understand why Supergirl can't just bust the chains. I thought that was very strange. It was nice to see her use her super speed and, you know, do the spin move and headbutt him and everything. That was awesome. But I was like, why does she need to use her heat vision to get out of the chains? But I will chalk it up to maybe Master Jailer had some kind of fancy chains that he has a laser guillotine. Of course he has fancy chains. He has fancy chains that Kryptonians can't break. So I'm, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. Well, it's, it's funny because my other nerd nitpick was, you know, when Alex shoots at the ceiling and lets the sunlight in, I was like, would she recharge that fast after having been under red sunlight for hours, supposedly? Like, well, I don't know how, how long she was under there. Depends, but like, it takes, depends it takes, on the rider. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I was like, mm, I don't know if she'd bust out of her cage that fast, but it looked really cool, so I don't care that much. And that was an awesome line. That was like one of those catchphrases. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie um, Bowfinger with Steve Martin and... Um, no, I've never seen uh, it. What is his name? Why am I blanking on it? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. And there's a whole thing in the movie about their catchphrase at the end. It's like, gotcha, suckas. <laughs> I, I, f- I feel like um, I feel like Alex is here. Com- you know, here, here comes, comes the, the sun. sun. <laughs> that, that was her. I got, you know, uh, gotcha, suckas. So um, I really enjoyed that. that. That made me happy. And it's always time for a George Harrison reference, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> I'm all about. It makes you want to listen to that song, doesn't it? I know. It's like, hey. Um, I mean, I thought this was a great episode. I actually really liked the the fight scene um, uh, with Master Jailer because it. I, I liked that she wasn't as dependent on her superpowers. Like, you saw the wheels turning, um, and she's like, I can't fly. What do I do? Okay, I'll use these chains as a weapon. Okay, I'll, I'll like, you, you could kind of see her trying different tactics. And I think that um, in the beginning of the season, Alex is trying to teach her technique as opposed to just relying on her strength or mm-hmm. relying on her powers. Um, and I, so I thought this was a really nice continuation of that, uh, that she, she kind of has to use what she has in the room or what she has, you know, in front of her to kind of, you know, and, and also using somebody else's power against them. Like if he's flinging chains at you, those are the very chains that you should use to mess him up yeah. and all of that. So I thought that was really cool. As far as the American way stuff, I also thought that was really awesome that they kind of delved into that, But on a grander scale, I mean, kind of like when you say the American way, it means different things to different people, right? Like, um, and I think that a lot of the time there's the ideal of the American way that we all kind of strive for. And then there's the actual American way, which sometimes isn't so pretty. And I think throughout this episode, it's kind of like the ideal versus what actually happens practically um, and how those aren't always the same. And so kind of reconciling all of that throughout the episode, whether it's, you know, Kara eventually letting Maxwell Lord go because she realizes that she's not living up to her own ideals um, in this one case. Like, this is her blind spot. Like, if it were anybody else, she would totally be fine. But because it's Maxwell Lord, 
it was not as easy for her to live up to her own ideals. But even, you know, when it's hard, when it's difficult, if you have an ideal, like you should always be kind of striving for that. And, and it actually means more when it's, when it's hard. Um, cause anybody can, anybody can live up to their ideals when it's convenient. Oh, sure. Um, but like, you know, it, it, you know, she's looking at Maxwell Lord and he is so smug and I just wanted to punch him so hard. <laughs> but, um, you know, she's looking at his stupid face and letting him go, even though he's being a jerk about it. Like, that takes more strength than doing what she was doing before. So I, I really loved that. And I was glad to see that the ideal of the American way, in my perspective, was also represented in the story with Professor Lozano. He, yeah. he was, by all accounts, a, a refugee, an immigrant who has come to our planet and he's been given a second chance and a way to start over and he's taking it and he's contributing to society. And I feel like that's what I want my American way to be, that we're, that we're able to create opportunities and go after our dreams and, and make that happen. And, and so I, I liked that even though we got to see the, the kind of downside and the dirty side of what the American way might be, we also got to see the hopeful way. Definitely. And it's it's awesome that you bring that up because it's true. Yeah, that uh, Earth and then, you know, if National City is in America, <laughs> if we're assuming that all of this is happening in the United States, which who knows. Um, but yes, like that uh, is a great thing. And, and it's true. The hopefulness was there. And um, and that's awesome because that's what Supergirl should stand for is that that ideal and that thing that we're always working toward because she's an immigrant herself. She is. It's true. <laughs> Starting over in our country. Um, well, I think that is uh, it for our discussion of truth, justice in the American way. But let's get into what some of our listeners had to say about the episode. At Brie Quinn 23 tweeted, all I can say is at Lexi Lex, uh, Lexi Alexander needs to come back and direct because this episode was amazing. The fight scenes and visual effects were unreal. Bravo. At Ernest Almeida tweeted, good episode. I just wish we could could have seen more of Silver Banshee. And uh, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit, but uh, I think she's coming. <laughs> um, at Wahoo Effects tweeted, great physical fight between Kara and Master Jailer. Nice talk between Kat and James. And <laughs> Siobhan is vicious. Um, at M. Miller Tech View tweeted, very good episode. A tad inconsistent with Master Jailer's power level. Uh, but great moral lessons from James and actions were off the chain. That, that's, <laughs> that's very punny. Very good. Um, at Madtown Davidson tweeted, I thought this was a great episode. Addressed some important themes about justice that needed to be addressed. At Kenny Crayley uh, tweeted, wow, great episode. Truth, justice in the American way was really good. Best episode of the series so far. At Donald V. Jr. 1 uh, tweeted, Lexi Alexander did a great job directing tonight. Great fights. Best episode so far. The tension was really amped up. At Paradox Kid tweeted, great episode. Felt bad for Hank dealing with Kara. Master Jailer was cool, especially his chains. And Lexi nailed the action. At Only One Lois Lane tweeted, I understand why she's mad, but Kara's attitude to Hank is kind of getting on my nerves. I just want Alex to fess up already. Mm. Also, I don't know how I feel about James asking Kara to let him tell Lucy her identity. I'm Ooh. not sure if that would even help. That's a good thing to That's, bring up. We didn't talk yeah, about that. We didn't, and that was a big deal. And she kind of left him dangling without an answer, um, which was interesting, I, that they didn't have her commit to anything either way just yet. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure if it would help either, but 
having information is always better than not having information. And if you're trying to like build a life and have a relationship with somebody, they need to know things so they can deal with it. It's kind of how I feel about the whole secret identity thing in general. Like, like you think you're protecting me by not telling me, but now I have bad guys coming after me for reasons I don't know. So (laughs) that's not better. So you should just tell me. Yeah. And it's the same situation with the cat grant scenario. You know, you got to, yeah, you got to tell the truth if if it if it's going to be beneficial to the other person. Um, so yeah, I don't know because that's a lot on Kara. You know, it's James's relationship with the person he likes or maybe even loves, and that's dependent on what Kara decides. And that's <laughs> that's kind of tough. I don't know if I like that James is putting that on her, mm. but uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah. But it, it's like it, it, that he's putting that on her at the same time. She's kind of forcing him to keep a secret that is ruining part of his life. True, so true. It's it's you could see it from either way. Right. Um, well, we have an email from a listener named Stephen who writes, quote, after an amazing fight scene with Kara versus Master Jailer, we see Supergirl going toe to toe with this new villain with some fantastic moves from both of them. Kara is suddenly captured by his super tech chain attack, but up until that point, she had the upper hand with the use of her super strength, durability, and super speed. After such an impressive showing from these alien supercharged combatants, how is it that he is taken out of commission extraordinarily easy easy by Kara's human sister with a simple tap to the face and a couple of human kicks, end quote? Is Master Jailer Kryptonian as well? He's from, uh... Because he's a Fort Ross guard, but... He was a Fort Ross guard who worked with Allura, but he's from the planet Trombus. Trombus, so, that's right. So I guess even if you work at Fort Ross, that doesn't necessarily mean you're Kryptonian. You're Kryptonian, right. So, I mean, it... Uh, it may know. be that he's not invulnerable. Yeah, he's not. He might not have the same strength. Um, but also, I mean, even super strong people, like even Supergirl or Superman would be taken by surprise by something. If you catch them off guard at the right moment, even somebody super strong, you can manage to get the upper hand over them. But I was disappointed in how kind of easily he was dispatched, even by Supergirl at the end. Like it seemed very kind of, and then I punch you to the face and <laughs> sleeper hold and the end. Like it, I, I felt like that moment could have used a little more like threat um i don't know what that would be but uh but yeah but thank you for writing in Stephen. it's a good question it's a good point (laughs) well we also received an email from campbell who wrote quote i thought that was a very good episode uh truth justice in the american wade um that very belatedly explored some important issues about illegal imprisonment I do, however, wish they had left some of the Catco stuff for a later episode. The episode almost felt overstuffed, and I actually hope we get a director's cut on a DVD someday. (laughs) I get the feeling that they had to edit it down to the bone. As a result, some stuff feels left out. I get why Kara can't escape a red sun cage, but how exactly did Master Jailer capture her and get her in there? What happened to Master Jailer when they caught him? I feel like they could have introduced Kat's new assistant later and just focused on the important themes of this episode, unquote. And Campbell, I think that's a good point. There was a there was a, a, a little thing that they did where like Master Jailer would like put out his fist and there was like a blue light or something and I don't totally fully understand what it did, what it what its use was. Um, so there were some things that it was just like, oh, he's captured her and she's in a cage. 
Um, but I can kind of go with it. And I actually personally feel like the cat co-assistant stuff was sort of nice to put in there just because some of the stuff was really heavy. So heavy. So I heavy. I mean, funerals and illegal imprisonment and even Kat's story about the actor shooting his wife in the head. Like, <laughs> you, you know, like we needed something. So um, I, I'm glad that they actually did put the assistant uh, cat co stuff in there to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> well, and since this is sadly Teresa's last regular episode of Supergirl <laughs> Radio, uh, <laughs> um, I thought I would share some listener emails about her departure. Um, the first one comes from a listener named Sam who writes, quote, I first started listening to podcasts about a year and a half ago. I find them a pleasant distraction from my boredom whilst I'm on my daily 20 kilometer walks. Uh, good for you. Um, uh, and Sam goes on to say, you guys have helped contribute to my weight loss. So thanks for that. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm very proud to <laughs> contribute to that. I uh, wish I could contribute to my <laughs> own weight loss. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How can we make that benefit us? Um, I know. But I'm Sam, listen to myself all day. <laughs> Sam goes on to say, of all of the podcasts I listen to, I have to say yours is one of my favorites and my favorite Supergirl TV show related podcast. I listen to a few Supergirl show related podcasts, and it's interesting to hear the different points of view people have towards the show. I think you guys have the best rapport of any podcast duo I've listened to, which is why I'll be sad to see Teresa go, unquote. Well, I mean, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's, that's great to hear, Sam, and we appreciate you writing in and, um, and sharing those, uh, thoughts about podcasting and we're, we're glad you're listening. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. And you should keep listening because, uh, yeah, I mean the, a lot of what is great about this podcast is due to none other than the fabulous Rebecca Johnson. Um, so, you know, the quality of the podcast will remain the same and, uh, I'll be listening to it as well. So <laughs> what, we're going to expect emails from Teresa. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. I'm so, send, I'm so writing send in. Send some feedback. <laughs> um, well, we also got an email from Troy who wrote an email saying a quote, thanks for the awesome podcast. I'm a truck driver and I wait for it every week with bated breath so I can listen on my Friday evening drive back home. I appreciate y'all so much unquote. And that's really cool. I, I, I like hearing that you know, we, we, we're kind of inadvertently in, in a kind of a crazy way, like spending time with you guys. And I think that's awesome that, that we're kind of, we're, you know, listeners are a part of our lives and we're kind of a part of your lives. So I, I think that's awesome that, um, that we can, we can help you, uh, on your drives. Totally. No, I, I love that. I, I love the idea of kind of hearing the different ways in which people listen to us. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, we also had a listener, Ricard, uh, also write in to say, quote, I am sad to hear that Teresa is leaving, unquote. So uh, thanks for writing in and saying that, Ricard. And finally, a listener named John wrote uh, with the question, Teresa's leaving? No! <laughs> so, so many O's! <laughs> so sad to hear that. I will miss you, Teresa, so much. But as you said, you are moving on to other things. Best of luck with your future projects. You've given me a lot of pleasure listening to every one of your podcasts with Rebecca, unquote. Um, so uh, that's awesome to hear, John. Definitely. Thank you so much, John. And um, yeah, this has been so, so much fun. Um, and I'm glad that that you all think I contributed to, to this, um, especially not knowing anything about Supergirl. Like I was kind of... Um, I was looking forward to taking part in this podcast because I would get to learn about Supergirl along the way, but knowing very little about 
Supergirl and a lot of other DC characters. I was I was a bit intimidated too. Um, so I'm glad that people are you know have gotten something out of me being here because I just basically came on and didn't want to say anything stupid. <laughs> Well, I think you've become something of a Supergirl expert myself, and I'm (laughs) I'm really proud every time you throw out your knowledge. And um, I think what's what's interesting for listeners is I think a lot of people don't know that we didn't know each other before we signed on to Supergirl Radio. Oh, yeah, Um, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, a a year and a half ago, I didn't know who Teresa Giacino was. I didn't know that she existed. Um, (laughs) So it's been really fun not only to talk about Supergirl with you, um, but to, to know you as a person and to become your friend. So yeah. I, uh, I, I think that's uh, been one of the things that I've taken away from the podcast. And don't sell yourself short. You have, you ha- first of all, you have a great voice. You have a podcasting voice. Um, <laughs> and you're a total pro. Um, and I think you, you do contribute a lot with your thoughts. You have some great thoughts to share. And um, so I think I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm really proud of all the episodes that we did together. Well, thank you. And and me too. I am very proud of the show. And uh, and like I said, I'll be continuing to listen and I'll send email feedback. <laughs> well, and um, to end on a fun note, um, I, I thought it might be uh, cool to, to go over some Supergirl radio stats. Oh, yeah. Um, because we started this podcast in February 2015. And since then, you and I, uh, we, uh, we have published 56 episodes, including this one. We wow. currently have 43 ratings and 27 reviews on iTunes. We have 3,521 followers on Twitter. We have 1,342 likes on Facebooks. And we have listeners from all over the globe. And I was going to write them down and read them on the podcast so that everyone could know they were represented. But (laughs) it was actually way too many countries and spots all over the globe. It would have taken forever for me to read. So um, I think that says so much about... um, Supergirl, but I also think it says a lot about kind of what we've created here. And I, I don't mean to say those stats to brag. Um, I just, Teresa, I just want to thank you for helping build Supergirl Radio to what it is now. And um, I just want you to leave feeling proud of the fact that um, this is a thing that has happened and yeah. that, that we um, have something that we can share with other people. And uh, so I just wanted to thank you for that. Oh my gosh. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel so proud of the show. Um, and I definitely want to thank not only you, Rebecca, for being so amazing. And I'm so glad that I know you and I will Vice continue person. to know you for always now, you know, <laughs> so yay. Um, and I'm glad we finally got to meet at that In-N-Out Burger. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> but um, I also want to thank uh, Andy over at the uh, Flash podcast for bringing us together um, and for making this happen because uh, he's been great to work with. Andy, you're awesome. And I'm glad to know you as well. And one day I will get to meet you in person. I swear this <laughs> on all that is holy. Bucket um, list. Exactly. Bucket list. I get to meet Andy. Um, but it, this has been an amazing experience. I love talking to people on Twitter. So even if you just want to chat Supergirl on the internet, um, I'll tell you how to find me in a second. And uh, don't hesitate because I love chatting. And um, And this might not be the last time you see me. I mean, I feel like... You know, if the, I can, I might pop by for a visit every now and again. The guest chair is always open. <laughs> so anytime you want to talk Supergirl, feel free to come back and, and chat with us. Yay. 
Well, and speaking of which, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio uh, on Spotify. So if you are into some cool music, definitely check out our playlist. And as always, we are available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, definitely uh, give us a rating and write us a review. And we are a part of the DC TV podcast circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even the DC movies that are coming up, subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV podcasts on Facebook. And as for me, if you'd like to follow me around the internet, uh, you can always find my website at TeresaGiacino.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TeresaGiacino. Um, you'll find me at The Mary Sue, where I write every day at TheMarySue.com. And uh, you can find me at Patreon if you'd like to get some of my uh, fiction Um I'm going to be – I keep needing to make time for this, which is part of why I'm leaving Supergirl Radio. <laughs> Hopefully that will open up some free time. But um, I will uh, be posting more fiction over there at Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash Teresa Giacino um, if you'd like to check out some more of my writing and what have you. Um, but definitely keep in touch uh, on the internet because I would love to chat with all of you. I would love it if our listeners blew up Teresa's Twitter this week. <laughs> so make sure to um, wish her luck. Um, in all of her efforts, and uh, say hi when you get a chance. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And I have so many projects I need to keep... uh, keep catching up on so hopefully you'll see some (laughs) some new content from me in the in the coming weeks keeping up with with personal projects is hard when you're trying to make stuff for other people (laughs) it is hard (laughs) but we'll get there we will get there um well if you want to stick around for a quick spoiler section about the next episode of supergirl uh we'll be doing that after the theme music as always but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson and i'm still Teresa Giacino. work to make your past walter under the bridge But don't get caught up the creek without a poodle. Welcome to the Fortress of Solitude. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. Uh, The next episode is called Solitude. The official description says, quote, 
Kara travels to Superman's Fortress of Solitude in hopes of learning how to defeat Indigo, a dangerous being who can transport via the internet and who has a connection to Kara's past, unquote. So what about this episode description are you looking forward to most? I am actually really excited that they are actually going to the Fortress of Solitude. Because I feel like with the Allura hologram, they were trying to give Supergirl her own Fortress of Solitude in a way and have that serve that function. But I'm glad that they actually get to go to the real one with like, you know, the the wealth of knowledge that it has uh, for Clark. Um, so that's very, very cool. And also Indigo. Um, I'm excited to see her uh, and to see uh, Laura Vandervoort on the show. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned the Allura AI because in this week's episode, Truth, Justice, and the American Way, they made a mention that, oh, if you talk about Myriad, it might self-destruct. Oh, yes. We didn't talk about that in the episode, but yeah, I mean, in the, yeah. No. And, and I was like, oh, well, maybe that's a good way to, if you want to totally get rid of Laura Benanti on the show, I guess that's how you do it. So <laughs> I, I expect that the AI will eventually self-destruct, which will be really sad because of how Kara connects to, you know, that AI, you know, as sort of still being her mother. So if that goes away, that will be really sad. And, um, but I guess, you know, Laura Benanti has Broadway commitments. So, um, I guess that may be a good way for her to, to totally exit. But, um, but I think that's a good point that you bring up that maybe this Fortress of Solitude situation maybe might give her another place to go, even though Superman may need it and it needs to be a place of solitude. So (laughs) I don't know how many people need to be there. Um, I'm just imagining them fighting over it. Like, it's the Fortress of Solitude, not it, the Fortress of Company. I signed, up, I signed up for this day and this time. This is my time to be in here. Um, exactly. That's but, hilarious. But, yeah, I'm really excited about Indigo. Um, what we saw of her it looks really cool. Um, it looks like she fights with Supergirl, so that's going to be cool. Supergirl and Supergirl, I'm very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the episode promo, we saw that Indigo kind of has like the tr- downward triangle with the three dots. So mm. they're definitely connected. I-, I think Indigo is connected to like Brainiac 8 or something. So there's definitely some Brainiac something going on there. So that could that could hint to some really neat things. So I'm just all around really excited about what this means for the future of Supergirl. Definitely. Well, I uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Um, and thanks for sticking around for the spoilers. And uh, we will be back with another discussion. Well, well I, Rebecca I will. will be back. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca will be back and I will be listening and sending in that feedback uh, next time on Supergirl Radio.